What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrero with you flying solo today, but that doesn't mean we don't have a lot to talk about. Before we get into everything, I just want to remind you, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation podcast network. We do read them, we do appreciate them, and they really do help us out. So if you like the pod and you want to support us, we appreciate you doing your part. It doesn't take very long, and like I said, it really does help couple of different things we want to get into today. Uh, the big thing, the biggest headline is the fact that there's a report that the 49ers have reached out to the Carolina Panthers to gauge their interest in potentially trading quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. Now, there's a lot of different tentacles to this. I sort of changed my thinking as the more I thought about it, but we're going to get into that. Also, from Peter King's Football Morning in America column, There's quite a bit of changes that could be coming to the structure of the NFL season as soon as 2021. So I want to get into those and, of course, how they affect the 49ers as well. And finally, there's a former 49er who's going to be on the market soon that you're going to see his name pop up a lot on Twitter. But I think the 49ers should stay away. So I want to get into all of that with you in this episode. All right, let's sink our teeth into this Teddy Bridgewater report, because when I woke up, I was stunned to hear the news. It comes from Joe Person of The Athletic. He covers the Panthers for them. He reported that the Niners, again, called the Panthers about a potential trade. It wasn't the Panthers gauging interest as they are desperate. And again, I say desperate to acquire a quarterback. Their owner, David Tepper, has basically said that they want to acquire a franchise quarterback, and they're going to move heaven and earth to do that. So the Panthers are going to make a quarterback move, which would seemingly push Teddy Bridgewater out the door somewhere, wherever he might go. But this wasn't that. This is the Niners inquiring about it, and that is the most interesting thing to me. Now, there's no word on whether the conversation reached a point where they were actually discussing an offer, but the conversations were had. So... That is a factor, and there's a lot of tentacles to this thing, and let's sort of get into it now. My first sort of blessed reaction, again, like I literally woke up, was trying to get my kids ready for school, making them breakfast, and then I see this Bridgewater thing. My first reaction was, and I think I tweeted something out like this, it didn't make sense to me. You don't give up that kind of capital for a backup quarterback. You just don't. In a draft where the 49ers have said over and over again, it's super important. They have a lot of holes to fill on this roster. If you are that worried about Jimmy Garoppolo's health, then you just get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't say, okay, we'll trade picks and maybe players to get a backup quarterback. That just doesn't make any sense. There's only so many assets to go around. You're not going to allocate them there. So I was wrong on that reaction because the 49ers are smarter than that. They know that too, I believe. So as I started to read 49ers Twitter, which can sometimes be a crazy place, but I was reading the reaction. I like to gauge what other people are saying before I, you know, come on the pod and give my takes. People pointed out Teddy Bridgewater's cap hits. So here's the thing. He's got a $17.7 million cap hit this year in 2021 and a $20.7 million cap hit in 2022, which, by the way, 2022, zero guaranteed dollars in the Teddy Bridgewater deal. So if you did get him to be your bridge quarterback, you could easily bail on him in 2022, and it would cost you nothing. That presumably is the headline from this story, that the 49ers talked to the Panthers about acquiring Teddy Bridgewater to be their bridge quarterback. 
which would, of course, mean the end of Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. They cannot afford both of those guys. You can't pay Jimmy his, what, $26 million, whatever it is, and then also the, as I said, $17.7 million to Teddy Bridgewater. There's no reason for them to be on the same team, and so that would be the end of Jimmy G if, if presumably, they made this deal. Now, again, we don't know how far talks progressed or any of that, but I mean, you don't call and inquire about trading for a player unless you have the intention of doing it. Because what if the Panthers said, we'll do it for a seventh round pick? Okay, the 49ers would make that move. So, you know, conversations might not have progressed, but again, you don't pick up the phone unless you're willing to make an offer. Here's the thing that jumps out to me. If you are interested in acquiring a bridge quarterback, which clearly that's what it looks like the 49ers are doing in this case, What is he the bridge to? That would seem to imply, right, that the 49ers are going to draft somebody this year that they are planning on turning over the reins to. Otherwise, there's no reason to acquire Teddy Bridgewater because he's older and he's clearly not going to be your franchise guy for multiple years down the road. So that seems to be the first indication from the 49ers that their plan at quarterback is to go after somebody in the draft. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or any of the guys early. It could be a guy in the round two or three or later than that. We don't know. But it looks like the 49ers' plan here is starting to come into shape a little. Now, I'm going to get into some of the other things we don't know, but this is the first indication that they've given beyond words, which again, as we've said on this podcast, are meaningless, of the direction that they intend to go. So let's just say, for the sake of argument, that that is the 49ers' plan. They are going to get a bridge quarterback and the Jimmy Garoppolo era and build for the future that way. My question is this. Why do you need to acquire a different quarterback to be the bridge? You've got Jimmy Garoppolo here. He knows the system, and he costs you nothing. Unless you're so worried about Jimmy not being able to play 16 games in 2019 that you feel like you have to move on from him because he can't be a bridge quarterback if he's on the bench. That would be very telling to me, um, that they are so worried about his health that they can't have him on the roster even as a potential bridge guy instead of a franchise guy. I almost wonder if maybe the 49ers are trying to have their cake and eat it too. If maybe they're thinking, we still think the team is really good, but we know we need to upgrade a quarterback, but we might be able to get back to a Super Bowl if we had decent quarterback play. So maybe their thinking is, if we can get average quarterback play for 16 games, we still might be really good and we can bridge to the quarterback in the future. I feel like that's sort of what they're indicating with this kind of a move. I don't know that that's possible. I don't know, unless you think your team is so good. I mean, think about that, right? We have a team that's potentially a Super Bowl team, but we know we don't have the quarterback in place. I don't know that there are a lot of teams that sort of have a foot in both of those worlds, right? You can't really be a little bit pregnant. You're either a Super Bowl team or you're not. You're either a team that needs to find a franchise quarterback or you're not. I don't know that you can be both. So that's sort of... Seems contradictory to me, if that is what the 49ers are thinking. Then again, I don't really know, you know, going into 2020, it was Super Bowl of bust, right? It was the revenge tour. It was that whole thing. I don't really know if the 49ers view 2021 the same way. Maybe they don't. Maybe their thinking is, 
We're not sure Jimmy can play 16 games. We're done with that. So we want to try and get a bridge quarterback. And whatever we get this season, we get. Hopefully we acquire our franchise quarterback in the 2021 draft so that in 2022, we'll be good to go. We'll sort of be reloaded. We'll have our ducks in a row and then we'll make a run at this thing then. Maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't know. I doubt they would ever publicly say that they don't view this season as, you know, a potential Super Bowl season because that's just not how they're wired. But we'll find out. Depending on the moves they make, we'll find out if they think it's Super Bowl season in 2021 because it's going to be pretty obvious, I think, one way or the other. There are so many tentacles to this one report. It's really just got my brain churning. So let's say that whoever they decide to get, if they're looking for a bridge quarterback, what do you then do with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? He has a no-trade clause, but here's where that gets interesting. He can theoretically veto a trade anywhere he wants. But if the 49ers do acquire some sort of bridge quarterback, like I said, they can't keep both on the roster. So if he's not going to let them trade him, the Niners are going to cut Jimmy G. And if he does get cut, he doesn't get the $26 million that he's supposed to make this year. So it's sort of a weird situation for Jimmy. Do you allow yourself to be traded to any team in the league and give up control about your career and your life for a year, maybe more, and get the money? Or... Do you say, no, I want the control. I want to be able to dictate where I go. I'm not going to let you trade me, cut me. And even if I have to take less money, it's worth it to me to be able to choose where I wind up. Maybe he wants to go back to New England. Maybe he wants to go to Chicago or wherever, you know, any of the teams in the league. The point being, he wants to be able to choose for himself rather than just get traded, which You know, keep in mind, Jimmy Garoppolo has never really had control over his career yet. He didn't choose to get drafted by the Patriots. He did. He had to sit behind Brady. He didn't choose to be traded to the 49ers. He was, and then he became the starter. So maybe he wants to be able to pick his destination for a little bit. And there's value in that. I would understand that if that's how it went down, for sure. We all like to choose where we're going to work. So that's just another little interesting tentacle of this whole thing. What, What wins out? control over where you live, work, and play, or $26 million, because that's a powerful bargaining chip also. You know, Garoppolo is going to be 30, so he's got some years left in his career, but the money may be more important to him. We don't know. You know, everybody's got to make that determination for themselves. I do think there would be a market for him. I don't know exactly what it would be, but I think that the 49ers would get calls about him for sure. Now, they may not be willing to give up a ton because they may see the writing on the wall as well, like, hey, We know you're not going to keep this guy. We know you're going to cut him. So we're only giving you something to avoid that sort of bidding war with other teams, to avoid having to compete with other teams if Garoppolo were to become a free agent. And that's the other thing, too, about this whole thing. Like, the timing of everything is a factor because I feel like if the 49ers were to make that Teddy Bridgewater trade, it kind of signals to everybody that, hey, the Niners are looking to get somebody in the draft. So that's part of it, too, because we've talked about it a zillion times. There's a bunch of teams ahead of the 49ers that need a quarterback. There's teams behind the 49ers that need a quarterback. And you don't want any of those teams behind you to then say, oh, now we definitely know for sure we have to leapfrog the 49ers. And you don't want the teams that the Niners may be trading with to move up to say, oh, they're desperate now. They have to make a move at quarterback. We know we could squeeze them. We know we can get more out of them than whatever they're offering us because they have to make this move to get the quarterback. Otherwise, they look like idiots and their whole plan blows up. So the timing of everything is very interesting too. I mean, for all we know, 
The 49ers did reach an agreement with the Panthers, and maybe they're holding off. They want to delay it because the Niners know what the timing of the trade would, or excuse me, the Niners know what the trade would signal to other teams. So it's possible, and then this is total speculation by me, but it's possible they have a tentative agreement in place. Hey, we're going to make this move. Okay, good. Now, that doesn't really mean anything because nothing is done until it's done, but that could be possible too. It's possible in theory The 49ers have talked to the Patriots about Jimmy Garoppolo and say, hey, this is what we're thinking. We'll trade him to you. They've got the cap room to take on the money. You know, again, that's all speculation by me. I'm not reporting anything. I'm just saying the timing matters. And so maybe the 49ers have things set up so that as the draft plays out, they can execute this plan. The other thought I had when it comes to this kind of a deal is... I would just wonder the value of the report, the fact that the report is out there and what that does. Look, we all know there's a ton of 49ers fans pushing for them to make a change at quarterback. There are some that want them to make a huge move. Like I was one of the guys, you know, rooting for Matthew Stafford or Deshaun Watson, which by the way, Watson would still be my number one. But, you know, there's guys that want to do that. There's people that want them to go out and sign Andy Dalton. But there's a lot of desire and pressure from the 49ers fan base for them to make a move at quarterback. I just wonder if maybe the 49ers made this call. It's possible to kind of get us off their backs a little bit, right? Look, the 49ers are calling about quarterbacks. They investigated Teddy Bridgewater, you know, like just they're dipping their toe in the water just to be able to say they dipped the toe in the water. The 49ers have a reputation of being very aggressive, right? Like, oh, they call, they look into people, they investigate things. Yeah, that's true, they do, but they don't often make the move, right? Just look at their history. Everybody says the 49ers dabbled in Odell Beckham Jr. trade talks. Everybody says that. In fact, I heard from a pretty good source that they actually did dabble in the trade talks. I don't know the extent of it, but they were in on Odell Beckham Jr. a few years ago. Matthew Stafford, supposedly John Lynch was at the Senior Bowl having long discussions with the Lions about a potential trade for Matthew Stafford. They didn't make that move either. What about Tom Brady? We heard in the offseason last year that Brady wanted to go to the Niners, and the Niners have openly admitted they talked about it, they discussed it, but they didn't make that move either. But every time the 49ers are in the news as possibly making a move or negotiating with this team, it sort of feeds into the perception that, oh yeah, we're in on this. Like we're, we're potentially willing to make a big deal here. We're in, we're exploring all options, but are they? I don't know. Look at the history of the trades they made, right? Nobody was talking about the 49ers acquiring Emmanuel Sanders. Boom. They trade two picks. They get Emmanuel Sanders. Nobody was talking about the Niners acquiring D Ford. Bam. They give up a pick for D Ford and they sign him to a big extension. Nobody was talking about that. Even look at the Trent Williams deal before in last year's draft, right? A week of the draft, John Lynch is saying, we've heard nothing about Joe Staley to indicate that he's not going to come back. He's doing his normal workout routine. Bam. Later that week, they trade two picks. They get Trent Williams. Nobody was talking about that. Even the Quan Alexander trade that they made this past year sort of came out of the blue. So I, I do wonder, like, the moves the 49ers make seem to be the ones we don't expect them to make rather than, hey, this guy's available, chatter, 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 chatter. Everybody mentions the 49ers as a potential suitor, and then they actually make the deal. They haven't made one of those in the history of the John Lynch-Kyle Shanahan tenure. So that's interesting to me, too. I almost wonder if they like to be thrown in the mix there and stir the pot a little bit, but they're more apt to make a move that we don't see coming.
And that's something that I've said on previous podcasts too, that it's possible that the move they make is something that catches everybody off guard. Those are the moves that this regime seems to make. They seem to be considering a lot of things, but I think they think about it a little differently than you and I. And uh, that's good, by the way. I fully support that. As I I talked with Levin Black last week during the show, like, don't just limit yourself to who the media says is available. You have to look at it like everyone on every team is available all the time for the right price. And I mean, look at the Russell Wilson situation with the Seahawks, right? Nobody would have said that Russell Wilson was available a year ago, but turns out Russell's pretty unhappy. And it doesn't seem like the Seahawks are super in love with him right now either. If you had made the Seahawks an offer of four first round picks, do you think they make that move? Maybe they do. See, so you you can't just limit yourself to, well, it's either Matt Stafford or Carson Wentz or, you know, the guys that we always talk about as being available. That's That would be damaging to you. You have to look at it as, for the right price, anybody's available at any time. Because that's how you get good moves, moves that nobody sees coming, and potentially catch some teams off guard. And I think that's what the 49ers are doing. I hope so. So I think the Polaroid of this offseason is nowhere close to developing. But I saw the Teddy Bridgewater thing, and I just it got my gears spinning a little bit and, and things churning in my head. And so I just thought I should do the pod today because, you know, this is the tiniest corner of the Polaroid maybe starting to develop and give us just the first look into possibly what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are thinking about this offseason. Because let's think about it. I mean, who was talking about Teddy Bridgewater for the 49ers in 2021? Nobody, right? And yet here this report is. So maybe we're starting to see a little bit of that view. And I, oh, I cannot wait. We are too... About two weeks away from the, actually, yeah, two weeks today, from the start of the legal tampering period. That's when all the freaking deals get done. All the talks are happening right now between free agents and stuff. That's when we're really going to start to see some movement. That's when the shuffling of the musical chairs will begin and we'll start to see how these pieces are going to fall into place. That's sort of like the first kind of tentpole marker for some of these bigger moves to potentially happen because no... No transactions happen in a vacuum. Everything is a result of and a reaction to the other moves that happen. So we need to see how that starts to play out. And then I think when it comes to a Watson deal, I think that deal has to get done before the draft this year. So we are steamrolling towards those kind of things. And the start of free agency is sort of the first tentpole deal, kind of crossroads, so to speak, of the NFL offseason. All right, let's take a break. And then after the break, let's get into some of this stuff from Peter King in his Football Morning in America column about the changes to the 2021 season, and I'll get into how that will impact the 49ers going forward. All right, we're back here on the Niners Nation podcast network. And as I mentioned before the break, so Peter King has some details about how the NFL schedule will be changing or likely to be changed in 2021. 17 games, it looks like, is happening. As Peter writes, there's no surprise there. The TV partners and NFL schedulers are working under the assumption that the 17-game schedule will debut in 2021. They are not going to do an extra bye week. That is not how it's rolling. So you'll have 17 games in 18 weekends. Now, of course, obviously, that does push back the rest of the NFL calendar. 
Now, again, none of this is official yet, so I'm just going to read what Peter King has written to you. The Super Bowl is originally scheduled for February 6, 2022. That hasn't been moved yet. The league hasn't said a word about moving it to anybody in Los Angeles. But as Peter writes, the NFL won't start the season on the ratings quashing Labor Day weekend, and the league doesn't want to add an extra regular season bye week. So that would end up to February 13th, which would be the latest Super Bowl in history. Now, I'm like... I am not a fan of adding a 17th game or even an 18th game, which, by the way, is really what the league is going for. And that will happen, I think, down the road a few years. I don't like it. My brain is trained for 16 games. You know, I've got all the numbers in my head, 8 and 8, 9 and 7. Imagine saying, oh, the 49ers went 9 and 8 last year. Like, it's just weird. It doesn't sound right. It hurts my brain. But if you look at the history of the league, it's always changed games, you know, they, before they played 16 games, they played 14 games. Before they played 14 games, they played 12 games. Like, it's always been changing. So let's not act like this is anything new. It's just I don't like it. I'm getting older now. I don't like change as much as I used to. I don't adapt to change as quickly as I did. And I'm wired for 16 games. But I'm sure when they play 17 next year, I'll be all about it. So, potentially, who will the 49ers play in the 17th game? According to the reporting that I've seen, it would be Cincinnati, which is not a bad draw for the Niners. I mean, I don't like playing against really good quarterbacks, and I think Joe Burrow is a really good quarterback. But, you know, he's coming off a major knee injury, so that's a potential issue. And in terms of overall roster strength, Cincinnati is one of the weakest teams in the AFC, which is an absolute meat grinder because it is loaded. There's a whole formula that Peter King goes through about who would play who and when and how. Like, I'm not going to get into all that. All you need to know is it looks like the 49ers would be playing the Cincinnati Bengals. The one thing to note is that the way the league is sort of structuring it, uh, the AFC this year, the 17th game will all be hosted by AFC teams. And then next year, the set, or uh, 2022, I should say, the 17th game will be hosted all by the NFC teams. I think they're just going to alternate it like that. They seem to think that is sort of the most fair thing. Like Peter writes, you don't want three NFC East teams playing eight games at home and then one playing nine at home. That would just be weird. So AFC 2021, they host everything. NFC 2022, they host everything. And you just alternate from there. Uh, the last thing Peter notes is... Christmas falls on a Saturday in 2021, and the NFL is considering playing two games that day. They were encouraged by the big rating for the Saints-Vikings game last year, which, by the way, was 20.1 million viewers on Fox. That was the highest non-Sunday rating for the network in more than two years. So expect more games on Christmas. I don't have much more than that on the 17th game. I just will say, look, when you play... An extra game in the regular season, you know what I'm going to say. You need, it's another game your guys got to be available for, right? So another game that you have to weather the injury risk for. And then so when you're rolling out guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, like if you, if you can't stay healthy for 16, you think he's going to be healthy for 17? So that just becomes a factor. Injury history becomes a much bigger factor the longer the regular season goes. That's just logic. Last thing here before we go, I mentioned at the top of the show, there's going to be a former 49er whose name you're going to see mentioned on Niners Twitter. And a lot of people are going to be rooting for a reunion. I don't want that reunion. And that former 49er is Alex Smith, who said a lot of disparaging things about the Washington football team in an interview he did with GQ, mainly that they didn't want him there this year, that he threw a wrench in their plans. And much like Alex Smith has done throughout his career, he just shook it off and said, I don't care, I'm doing this. And he went and had his comeback of the year 
season, comeback player of the year season, excuse me. Look, I don't, I don't want a reunion. Like I know it'd be a cool story, right? The guy we drafted number one overall in 2005 comes back and he could be the backup quarterback for Jimmy Garoppolo. And you could see it now, right? Garoppolo gets hurt again. And who comes in for the 49ers? It's Alex Smith, the returning hero, you know, like that is the drama of it. But no, like, first of all, this is not a young Alex Smith. Forget about the injury history. He's, do you realize Alex Smith's been in the league for like 14 years? He was drafted in 05. He's 36 years old. When's his birthday? May 7th. So he's going to be even older. Obviously, he'll be 37 in this season. And I, I do think he deserved comeback player of the year completely because of this just horrific injury. And, and what was it? 17 or 18 surgeries he went through to get back. Like to me, you go through all that. You come back. You play. You deserve comeback player of the year. I don't care that he had more interceptions than touchdowns. Like it's just about overcoming more than anybody overcame in significant time, really. Maybe since Joe Theismann, you know, it was that horrific of an injury. And actually, Theismann never even came back. So there you go. But he, he's not the guy for the Niners. They could do better than a 37-year-old Alex Smith at backup quarterback. I really do believe that. So even though it would be a cool story. I am not signing on for that. I actually think he might end up in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, who was his old coach at Utah. Like, I think that could be pretty good. He probably has an idea of the system that Urban Meyer wants to run. Granted, by this point, I think Alex Smith knows everybody in the NFL system because he seemingly had to learn a new one every year for the first, like, seven years of his career. That'd be a nice little reunion. Let let that be the reunion. Let Alex and Urban have the reunion in Jacksonville as opposed to Alex Smith coming back to San Francisco. I just don't want to see that. It's the same thing with Frank Gore. Like, I'm not... The only contract the 49ers should sign Frank Gore to at this point is a one-day contract so he can sign it and retire as a Niner. And I, I don't even want to see anybody else ever wear number 21 again. I know the Niners don't technically retire numbers, but to me, nobody should wear it. That should be the only way Frank Gore signs another contract with the Niners. We get caught up in the name a lot of the times, and it's just, there's no need for it, right? You don't have to have that guy come back and play like one or two crappy years with the team at the end of his career. Just sign the one-day deal and be done with it. And we can still do all the honoring and put up a statue in the team museum or, you know, anything you want to do. There's just no reason for them to be on the field with you just because it would be a nice story. And maybe that's just me, you know, with no heart and soul in this thing. Maybe you care about that more than I do. That's just not my jam. Also, I think Brandon Ayuk has number 11, right? So Alex, if he came back, you don't want to be switching your number if you're Brandon Ayuk. Not for the backup quarterback. Just throwing that out there. That is going to do it for me. It's a little shorter edition here, but there wasn't a ton of news. I just wanted to react to the Bridgewater thing in case you saw it. You wanted to know my thoughts. I think it's important that uh, we offer those up as they come in. Again, I want to remind you to please rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. You get this show. You'll get all our shows. We've got a couple of prospect interviews coming for you. I think we're going to have one this week, one next week for you. We're going to get as many as we can. Uh, so you can sort of meet these guys a little bit and just get kind of a feel for who they are. You know, sometimes when you interview people before they come into the league, they'll give you more of a window into who they are. And you sort of learn a little bit about them as opposed to afterwards when they're more guarded and have more media training. So as we get closer and closer to the draft, I think we're what, like 60 some odd days away. 
So we'll try and bring those for you. But again, rate, review, subscribe. We do appreciate it. If you ask a question in your review, by the way, we will read it and we will answer it on the show. Ooh, what is this? I am seeing a tweet from JJ Watt, source me, and it is a picture of him working out in an Arizona Cardinals shirt. So there you go. I guess that decision has been made. JJ Watt jumping in right as I finish the recording for the pod. He is going to be an Arizona Cardinal. He'll join Chandler Jones. That'll be fun for him. Um, look, it's a guy that I would have liked to see on the 49ers because I think pairing him with another great rusher is what he needs at this point in his career. Obviously, in San Francisco, it would have been with Nick Bosa. But like, does that put the fear of God into me for the 49ers? No, it's something to think about for sure. If anything, it just stresses again the need for a guy that can be a mobile quarterback. Just another example of why you want a guy that can extend plays. It's just another pass rusher that's going to be coming after him in 2021. That would be the biggest thing for me. Just stressing, again, a guy that can run around back there. But I don't think J.J. Watt's going to make a massive impact on the Cardinals. I don't think he's going to have 10, 12 sacks. He'll probably have seven to nine sacks and be a situational pass rusher for them. But, you know, if you could ask me, would I rather he be in the NFC West or somewhere else? I would have taken somewhere else. But there you go. That's my real quick end of the pod. J.J. Watt to the Cardinals analysis for you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. And as always... Go Niners.